Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to the latest episode of On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. Right now, as we record this, we still don't know if there will be a 2020 Major League Baseball season. Um, MLB and the Major League Baseball Players Association clearly have a lot to work out on the financial end of things if they are going to play. Uh, Not to mention some of the concerns that are still present amid the coronavirus pandemic. relating to safety, local regulations about on gatherings. There's a lot of factors that are obviously complicating uh, the path towards an MLB season, but based on reports that we're seeing, it seems like there could be a decision soon. One thing that is widely expected is that we are not going to have a minor league season this year, and that if there is a major league season, um, it will be expanded rosters with some minor leaguers, but not all of them, participating in a taxi squad type setup. Um, I'll start with you, Bob. What are your thoughts on things right now as they stand with trying to get a 2020 season underway? I'm pretty disappointed. I'm not going to lie. Um, it seems like uh, the owner's side of things, they're not really giving it their best shot to make sure a season comes through. Um, it just I think it'd be a, such a shame to let money be the deciding factor of whether a season is played or not if they can figure out the safety and all that and then if they if they drop the ball financially that would that, that would just be devastating to me I'm especially disappointed in a team like the Oakland A's who are outright said they're not going to pay their minor leaguers the rest of this season no matter what and to save like a million bucks that just seems pretty petty for the owner there but yeah it's it's i'm not i'm usually an optimist right now i'm not very optimistic but hopefully they figure something out no i'm i'm right there with you as this drags on more and more and more reports that come out you know you don't want to overreact which is my certainly my first reaction (laughs) is to overreact to all of this but it's just more and more getting piled on you know i've kind of I never thought I'd see the day where, you know, I was looking forward to the NFL so much and just wanting to bypass baseball. And I'm actually looking at the NFL like, you guys are doing the right thing here. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's, yeah, you know, I just don't see how you can side with the owners in any of this. Uh, Unless you can show us the books and and show us the financials behind all of this, then sure, I'd be willing to, you know, throw you a few bones and say, all right, I, I get this. But, yeah, with everything going on, and you mentioned the Oakland A's. I, I remember seeing a tweet uh, right before we came on. It was, I think it was Jared Diamond uh, with the Wall Street Journal. And he interviewed one of those Oakland A's minor leaguers and said, you know, I lost all respect, you know, for those decision makers and that. And it's, you know, how can you not? They're not making rent payments on their stadium. They're not going to pay their minor leaguers. Um, we're going to talk about the cuts, but that seems to be a, a common thread among every Major League Baseball team right now. You know, if baseball comes back, great. But, you know, my I've kind of soured on all of this, to be totally honest. Yeah. And with no minor league season, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know. If Bring on back, 2021. 
yeah, let's just start fresh. Just scrap it. Let's just start fresh <laughs> in 2021. You know, if if it comes back great, I will watch it. I, I will enjoy it. I, I'm not gonna lie, but um, it, it's just putting a sour taste in my mouth right now. But yeah, Nick, I, I think uh, I'm kind of in a similar kind of looking at it with a similar perspective. Um, I've watched so many games in person over the last three years, knowing that I won't be able to do that this year. Personally, for me, the baseball season would be completely different. But right now, it's at a point where the longer this goes on, you see some of the labor strife, some of the strife between the players and the owners that is unfolding. You knew, regardless of how the season got started, um, it was going to be different. Whether that was, you know, teams all playing in Arizona, you know, split between Florida and Arizona, or the more recent plan where teams are going to be playing in their home ballparks, but you know, drastic realignment to the leagues so that you're not having cross-country flights shortened schedule you knew it was going to be different and like you said i will watch it if it is played and I, and I will enjoy it but it does sort of feel like the longer this goes on it's like all right let's you know just close the book on trying to play in 2020 let's see if we can use this downtime to try to start building a little bit more consensus about the collective bargaining agreement that expires after 2021 and go into 2021 with the approach of We've got the CBA knocked out where we feel like we're making a lot of progress on the CBA. We're moving forward in a in a better form than where we would have if the 2020 season been played. Yeah, yeah all, it's all been, of the, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nick, I was going to say, I, I'm kind of enjoying this, uh, getting to know the KBO a lot better, getting to know <laughs> those players a lot more, honestly. That's more of the style of baseball I like anyway. Um, so I am all aboard the NC Dinos train in the KBO. Uh, I know Japan's going to get started, so I'm going to be all aboard the Adam Jones train. Um, you know, that's going to be exciting. So, you know, my my mother-in-law is German, and so Bundesliga going on. Uh, I'm into that. I'm learning more about soccer, uh, learning the rules and different teams and players. I'm enjoying it. You know, if, if baseball wants to keep playing their games, then... I, I've got other stuff, so I'll be all right. Yeah, life goes on. But I was just going to say real quick that all this going on right now cannot be good for CBA negotiations. There's just more and more distrust being sown every minute, it seems like. Yeah, I'm hopeful that at some point, regardless of whether it's in the context of getting the 2020 season um, started or ensuring labor peace moving forward, that at a certain point, everybody's going to realize Major League Baseball cannot afford to have a lockout, a strike, or any sort of work stoppage. Because for fans that were around in 1994, I think that's still fresh in their minds in a lot of cases. And it might be hard to win them back over. Or even for younger fans, they might look around and think, well, Major League Baseball is having all these problems. The other sports right now are doing okay. Maybe investing all my time and energy in MLB is not worth it. And I, I do have that concern that if this continues to go on, that MLB is going to run into that situation. Yeah, that's a fair fair thing to say, for sure. Um, we do have actual baseball news to discuss on this show, which is not good news for players that were cut by the Orioles. Um the report that was out there by Dan Connolly at The Athletic has the full list, but the big name in that was Yomar Reyes, um, corner infielder who had once been one of the top prospects in the system, but had stalled over the last few years at Frederick. 
last year was actually one of his better seasons in a while, but ultimately with Reyes at 23, I believe, um, the Orioles apparently didn't see a future for him. Uh, Nick, what was your reaction when you saw his name on that list? That one I wasn't too shocked. Uh, just like you said, the last few years, he's kind of had a rough patch. And honestly, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching him the first chance I got to see him. Um, it wasn't until f- he got to Frederick was the first time that I watched him. I think it was about 2016. Um, and I, again, that raw power was there. He just wasn't able to turn that into game power. Uh, the one memory I have of him, when you mentioned the name Joe Marais, I just remember him punching the wall after he had a pretty <laughs> good game, uh, as I recall. I don't remember exactly what his line was, but I remember it being a pretty good game he had. But he punched the wall. I missed a few weeks. Um, you know, He spent the last pretty much four years in Frederick. He got one at bat in Bowie last season, I think before he got hurt and they shut him down. Um, you know, The power never really came around. He's listed, looking at his page now, he's listed at 6'3", 220. I think that 220 is a little off. He looked getting bigger and slower as the years went on. And, uh, I mean, I think that ranking might have been just more hope that an international signing worked out. Um, you know, and, and it didn't. And the Royals are going to move on from him. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to miss him, to say the least. I don't think he's... Getting rid of him doesn't really hurt anything. Um, they tried. They gave him four years in high A. He clearly wasn't going to hit the ball in double A. So, yeah, it's unfortunate, but here we are. Yeah, I completely agree with everything Nick said. And, yeah, I think it was 27 guys that got cut. And um, I know the vast majority are just organizational filler guys that really had no shot at making the major leagues. But it still kind of stings just – Looking at the box score every day, checking on things, you get familiar with these names. So to see them get released from an organization, organization, excuse me, definitely feels weird every year. Happens every year, but it's a good thing that the system is getting better. And the the more that guys you think are decent get cut, the probably just means we have a better organization as a whole. You know, I, I remember the year that Reyes had in Delmarva in 2015. I saw quite a bit of him that season and was pretty hopeful that the Orioles had something. I saw that the raw power was there. I had questions about whether or not he would stick at third base. Thought that first base might end up being where he went in the long run. But to my way of thinking at that time, it was, hey, the Orioles might have something here. If his raw power really continues to develop as he moves up the levels um he's gonna be you know he's got the chance to be a, a decent middle of the order bat at one of the corner infield spots but you know nick as you said he really just never got out of that rough patch in frederick yeah and i mean going i think just looking at the rest of this list and to Reyes is definitely the top, probably the top prospect, the one with the most potential that just didn't work out. Um, but yeah, also had other guys like Preston Palmero and Dalton Hoyles were also the bigger names on this list, more so because they're last names. Um, Palmero was a guy that I really liked, uh, to be honest. Uh, I don't like that the Orioles kept moving him to first base. When he was in Frederick, they moved him to second base. I think he played the position pretty well. Um, he had about... He had 30 home runs between Delmarva and Frederick. I know Frederick's, it's kind of a hitter's park, homer-friendly park, but 30 home runs between those two years and then just kind of fell off last year in Bowie. He had five home runs. He only hit 237 and struck out almost 25% of the time. Um, so that's unfortunate. I thought they'd at least keep Palmer around, if anything, for, for the namesake. Um, 
Hoyles, you know, was like 24, 25 years old and couldn't hit an Aberdeen. So that's, you know, yeah. I never watched him play, so I don't really have an opinion there. But, um, you know, I think just from my perspective on, on the rest of these guys, I know personally, like like you said, Bob, checking these box scores every day, you know, we're guys that are at the ballpark, these minor league ballparks a lot, seeing these kids. So even if they, they are, may just be organizational filler, you know, these are still guys that love baseball and are still trying to achieve a dream. Um, Chris Clare was one when I started covering the Orioles in minor leagues about five, six years ago. I got to interview him, and he was the first, uh, really the first professional athlete I ever interviewed, uh, first and only up to this point. Um, <laughs> and it was awesome speaking to him, and he would talk about what that moment would be like for him to run out onto Camden Yards in an Orioles uniform, like gave me goosebumps when I was talking to him. And, and so I feel bad for him. Um, Nick Horvath was a, a one that I liked, speedy outfielder someone that might have, I thought might stick around for a little bit, but you know, he's gone. A couple more outfielders like Cole Billingsley and uh, Robbie Thornburn. Ben Brazil is actually here in town. Uh, I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia. He's actually here in town quarantined with his girlfriend. Um, <laughs> last I heard that I think his girlfriend's a, a, a coach for a, a James Madison University team, and he's here training with Brendan Hennefee. There's a private gym uh, they can train at. I really liked him, but you know, not a lot of defense there. Um, the one name that I think was like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of shocking was actually Daniel Fajardo. That's just actually yeah, a personal yeah. favorite of mine. Uh, you're not a lot offensively, but someone that I thought played pretty good defense and someone who I thought could stick around in the minor leagues and be one of those guys to really help out kind of the younger pitchers. But yeah. be like, like said, the it, uh, Kevin Costner in that baseball movie, the <laughs> career minor league catcher. Yeah, he'd been in the system for what they signed him out of Venezuela, and he's been in the system already for like seven or eight years. Uh, I don't think yeah. he ever made it past double A, but yeah, that's that's a valuable position if you can be a catcher who can work with those younger pitchers. But yeah, definitely. Yeah, you know, hopefully these guys catch on somewhere. But when you're cutting forty minor league teams, a lot less opportunity now. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I mentioned earlier the story was on the Athletic uh, last week. We did tweet it out on our uh, Twitter feed at BSL on the Verds. Um, Dan Conley's report noted 37 players that were cut, oh, so you can head there to uh, see the full list. Um, while the Orioles did release um, some players, they're also coming up on adding players via the MLB draft that is coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. And right now we're looking at five rounds, and the Orioles have a chance to add some real value starting with that number two pick. Um, when we last recorded a podcast, it seemed like the question was, will it be Spencer Torkelson or will it be Austin Martin? Um, that still kind of seems to be the consensus, though Nick brought this to my attention before we recorded it, and I wanted to mention it here. Fangraphs published a mock draft yesterday that has the Orioles going with Aza Lacey as the number two pick, which would be... A departure from what the consensus, which is a departure from what we have heard um, in most mock drafts, but an interesting scenario to consider. Bob, I'll start with you. Do you think that it's still going to be Torkelson or Martin in that number two spot, or do you think we maybe need to be prepared for something else? I'm getting a little less sure of that every day. I just feel like as it gets closer to the draft, even though there's been no baseball to scout, there's been nothing new. It just seems like you hear more and more about there's some noise in the certainty there. I would not be shocked if they took Lacey, and I wouldn't be upset about that if they think he's a legitimate top of the rotation type of guy. 
I think you got to take him. He's a college pitcher. So, and I think right now you're definitely looking at college talent, especially with everything going on right now. You don't know how, how much development you can do with the younger guys, at least for over the next year or two. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways it could go. If they think Lacey's the real deal, you take him. If Torkelson somehow falls to us at two, you take him. Uh, if you think Austin Martin and Nick Gonzalez are pretty similar talent-wise and you can take Gonzalez and save a couple million to spend later in the draft, I think you do that. And if you think that high school outfielder, uh, I forget his name, I think it's Zach Veen, uh, if he seems like, I think he's the wild card, maybe, the that could come out of nowhere and get picked. Yeah, I wonder with all this downtime and no baseball, how creative is Michael Ice going to get in this year's draft? Because he could go so many different ways, all those ways you mentioned. I, I love Lacey. I've, he's been one of my favorite prospects in this draft uh, since the season started. Um, I think going into the year, a lot of people had Emerson Hancock as a top pitching prospect, but I was always uh, enjoyed Lacey a lot more. He's got four pitches, swing and miss stuff dominant like you said he's got a track record as, as a talented sec pitcher um he's someone that you think about another big body lefty and you put him in there with deal hall and grayson rodriguez now you've got three stud pitching prospects all who are top of the rotation type prospects uh so if, if one hits fantastic if two hit great but at least you got three of those guys now um I mean, two, three years ago, who was the top Orioles pitching prospect in the system? I mean, none of the, whoever it was did not compare to any of these three guys. So if they go Lacey, I'm fine with that. I think there's been more chatter about that. Um, but I, I think there's just so much talent later on in the draft with college pitchers. I think the pick has to be Martin or Torkelson here. Yeah, Nick, I, I think I'm still kind of leaning in that direction that with the amount of college arms that are going to be available – um, particularly those you know later picks, that the Orioles are still going to go with Torkelson or Martin, or if Mike Elias decides that he wants to save money on the first pick and spread it around a little bit more later in the draft, then I think your second pick is Nick Gonzalez. Um, I would prefer that the Orioles just take Torkelson or Martin with the second pick over Gonzalez, because I'm more certain of them having, you know, productive major league careers than I am Gonzalez. But Lacey is an interesting wild card in this scenario. And the one thing I wonder if you're looking at the Orioles rebuild, is it a little bit more enticing? And I'm curious to get your thoughts, um, Nick. Is it more enticing to draft Lacey because you know that your top pitchers in the farm system right now are further um, away from the major leagues than Lacey? I don't know that Hall, Hall might be a little bit closer, but you know Grayson Rodriguez is years away. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you can. If you go with Lacey, then he's probably not too far behind um, Adley Rutschman as far as coming up to the major leagues. So maybe if you go with Lacey, you can have two years from now, you can have Lacey in the rotation, um, kind of cementing his place there. You can have Rutschman in the lineup. You have Mountcastle probably likely in the lineup. You get some of these, using know, Diaz, Austin Hayes are in that lineup. So you start to build something a little bit more exciting in Baltimore. Um, and you at least have one of those pitchers in place uh, to start building around. Um, 
you know, start, maybe he can have some success. You can show these free agents, these top free agents. Hey, look at Asa Lacey dominating in Baltimore. Maybe it makes uh, these free agents more enticing to come to Baltimore. I don't know. I like Lacey coming in at this pick and kind of matching him up with Rutschman, though, and moving up to the system. Because like you said, I think Deal Hall is, I think a lot of people want to rush Deal Hall to the majors, but you know, he's got to get that command under control. And so I think he's a little bit further, like you said, a little bit further down the road. And they had the kick gloves on Grayson Rodriguez, and I don't think they're going to come off anytime soon with him. Yeah, Any I thoughts there, Bob? I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, and it doesn't hurt if you have three guys that you think could be top of the rotation that injuries are inevitable. So you at least maybe you have two or one of them bust. You at least have two out of three at any given time. So, yeah. I will say that if you go on Baltimore Sports and Life, uh, Stephen Loftus, who does some excellent draft coverage for us, uh, published a story earlier today looking at some potential options for the Orioles at their uh, comp A and second round picks. Um, And we're going to get a little bit more in-depth on that in an upcoming show because we are planning to record a few more times before the draft, but I would definitely encourage you to go there. But um, Bob, it does seem like regardless of where the Orioles go with that second pick, um, that with the amount of talent and what's going to be a shortened draft, they can really get some value out of this despite only having five rounds. Yeah, it's exciting to have three picks in the top 39. That's almost like two and a half first round picks. Um, I'm re- this is an important draft for us uh, in a weird year. I feel like if you play our cards right, we could come away with three top 10 prospects in our system, maybe three top 100 guys, uh, best case scenario. There's a lot of talent out there. It seems like a deep draft, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do. Yeah, and you got to remember the J2 period coming up too. And now that's kind of exciting, more exciting for Orioles fans because I think now they're up to three of the top 30 international prospects uh, that the Orioles have been connected to. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's fun looking when you start looking at the second round, the comp A and then second round pick. The number of pitchers kind of ranked in that area is just absurd. And there's so many guys. There's high school arms, risky high school arms that you could – uh, take a stab at. Um, there's advanced college pitchers. There's some guys that are going to be tough signs. Um, you know that the Orioles, one in particular, that the Orioles have already picked, and uh, Slade Sacconi of University of Miami. The Orioles already drafted him a couple of years ago in like the 38th round. They say this kid has first round talent um, who could fall to the Orioles at this pick, and so that's that's where this is a very important draft for the Orioles. And this is with three picks in the top 39 and. You see the articles come out. I think Baseball America just put another article out about just the depth of that pitching talent. And, you know, the Orioles could go three hitters. We don't know. They didn't take a pitcher until, what, the eighth round last year? Um, I think it was Griffin McClarty, the seventh or eighth round. That was their first pitcher they took. So they could not go any of these pitchers, but there's just so many. And the more film you watch and the more you read about these guys, the more exciting it is. Yeah, I feel like given how this – draft is positioned, the Orioles are going to use at least one of those later picks um, on a pitcher, but there there are a number of ways they could go, and it's going to be interesting over the next few weeks to see, you know, as more mock drafts come out, we start hearing more reports, you know, they're probably a little bit more concrete about which way teams are leaning to see how Michael Elias is going to do this, because 
Whereas last year, I think as time went on, it became clear that Adley Rutzman was going to be the number one overall pick. This year, in part because of the shutdown going on around baseball, then also the depth of this draft class, um, it, it's probably a little bit more fluid going into this year. Um, as I said, we're going to discuss the draft more in depth on an upcoming show. Um, in the meantime, you can continue to follow us on at BSL on the Verge on Twitter and continue to check Baltimore Sports and Life. We're posting there regularly. I mentioned the work that Stephen Loftus has done for us in covering the draft. Uh, Nick has had a story recently on there. Um, I'm going to have some articles coming up here over the next few weeks. So things are active. Please continue to check the website, uh, check in on the message boards. And as I mentioned, follow us on Twitter at, at BSL on the Verge. Uh, before we sign off, Bob and Nick, I'll start with Bob. Any final thoughts? Um, the only other final thought I had as far as the draft would be because of that uh, pitching t- depth in this draft class, it might make more sense for them to go with uh, Martin or uh, Gonzalez at the t- in their first pick if they trust our pitching development system, if they're confident in that. And there's a lot of depth there. They might lean on the pitchers later on. Other than that, um, fingers crossed that Major League Baseball gets their act together and we actually get to watch some baseball this season. Yeah, it's hopefully something gets done. Hopefully some resolution comes to be. Uh, in the meantime, you know, it's it's hard when, I think right before we came on the air, I don't know if, if you guys caught this, but Jeff Passan had said uh, we're up to about 1,000 minor leaguers are going to get cut. Uh, this week and over the next week. Yeah, I saw that. I think the Orioles have their 37. The White Sox cut 20-something. Uh, the Mets are cutting 35 to 40. Uh, the Mariners are cutting almost 50 guys or more than 50 guys today. The A's um, might lose 150. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who's going to want to – I don't think we, we didn't even mention this, how after the fifth round is over, you know, teams can sign guys for $20,000. Which is insane. And, yeah, I, when you look at what you can make in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth round, um, but you know you have a lot of kids, and I'm anxious to see how many kids decide to sign for that twenty grand and go ahead and start their pro career, versus how many decide to go back to college or honor their college commitment. I know college baseball is in a state of flux right now too. Um, programs getting cut, uh, seniors coming back, underclassmen getting an extra year. So we'll see how that impacts. But you know, it's it's sad to see that you know. Yes, these cuts are going to happen. You got the J2 period and the draft when teams make a lot of cuts. Preseason, teams are going to make cuts when they set their rosters. Um, Cuts are going to happen, and a lot of these guys might have been cut eventually anyways, but it's sad to see the minor leagues just kind of be decimated like this in the long run. Um, You know, Hopefully something gets resolved, though, and we do get baseball. It won't be minor league baseball. Uh, which is sad, but hopefully there's at least some baseball that we can talk about. And maybe as Orioles fans, you know, we get to see the Mount Castle and Hayes and and a lot of those guys, Keegan Akins. Hopefully we get to see them at some point this summer. Yeah, I'm yeah, curious. That, that would be, you know, go ahead, Bob. Sorry, I was just gonna say I'm curious if they're gonna do anything as far as the the rookie eligibility. Um, you know, I wonder if they're gonna make any kind of exceptions for younger players to get time in the majors without affecting their free agency status yeah and and once we if we get to the point where we have a final labor agreement that will be something that will you know have to be explored in more depth um because i think at that rate you're you're looking at timetables potentially being affected especially for a guy like ryan mountcastle who probably is major league ready but if the orioles know that keeping him in a taxi squad environment for 30 days or whatever it will be 
um, can delay your can add a year of team control, they're going to do it. Um, but it, it we'll see how things play out over the next uh, probably over the next week or so. We're in a very important time for the negotiations to try to get the 2020 season started. Um, as I said, though, continue to follow us on Twitter, check the website regularly, and um, on our next show we'll talk about the draft and hopefully have a little bit more clarity about what's going on with uh, the 2020 Major League Baseball season if it does get underway. For now, though, I'm Zach Spedden. Uh, thank you, and um, thanks for Bob and Nick for joining me, and uh, we'll see you on our next show.